I'm Amy Chaplin, a piano teacher from Indiana and host of this podcast. While I love sharing with you every week in this space, I also believe the best way to keep our ears and minds intrigued is by providing a variety of listening experiences and formats. That's why this year I've invited some special surprise guest hosts to step in on occasion. Plus, if we're being honest here, it gives my idea bank a little breathing room. When this episode drops, it's the last week of April, which means a lot of us are starting to reconsider and finalize policies for the upcoming school term. I thought this was the perfect time to bring in Australia-based teacher Samantha Coates to talk to you about something she's passionate about, and that's how to not give makeup lessons. To give or not to give is a universal struggle in our world, and Samantha is about to blow your socks off with an angle and mindset you may have never considered. I think you'll find her real-life stories and examples to be that little extra push and permission you need to take the next step in revamping your own makeup policies. Samantha Coates is the creator of Blitz Books, a popular music education series focusing on theory, rote repertoire, and sight reading for piano. Her 35 plus years of teaching experience, combined with her entertaining presentation style, has made Samantha a sought after lecturer on a wide range of pedagogical topics. Samantha brings her own unique style and twist to today's episode through an interview style format with her husband, Andrew. Welcome, Samantha and Andrew. Well, hello, you don't know me, but my name's Andrew Coates, and my main claim to fame nowadays is that I'm married to the wonderful Samantha Coates, who's <laughs> the uh, our guest on this, this interview. Um, Samantha, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, when Amy um, asked you what you wanted to talk about, uh, you said two things. One is that you chose this topic, and we'll get onto that in a moment. And the second one is you felt much more comfortable being interviewed rather than just blurbing on. So here it is. Uh, I get to interview, which is quite fun. So thanks for doing that. It is fun. And hello to all of Amy's loyal podcast listeners. So, uh, yes, you, uh, the thing came up about what topic do I want to do? Amy asked me. Um, she said I could talk on any topic I liked, and I just thought it's got to be how not to give makeup lessons. So, so why did you choose that? Well, because it, I think it's the most talked about issue on Facebook that I've seen. In all the piano teacher groups I see, uh, there's so much frustration surrounding what happens when students don't turn up to a lesson and the parents don't want to pay for it. And teachers are backed into a corner. They've either got to credit it or make it up. And either way, the teacher loses out. Yeah, look, I've, I've watched you agonise about this for over, I guess, over 30 years now. <laughs> it's been some time. Um, and it's really, I, I've, I've been fascinated with the way you've evolved your policy on this. And so we're going to talk about a bunch of those things today. Uh, you know, what it is that's evolved and how and why you've evolved it. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about how even things like COVID have changed the way that you've taught and therefore the way that you can interact with, um, with your students and, the, and your parents about things like makeup lessons. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how you go about changing your policy uh, and particularly we're going to talk a bit about parental buy-in and make that, that really important step of how do you get the parents to, to come along on that journey mm. with you. So I'm looking forward to hearing all those things because I've kind of seen him from in the periphery and we've talked about them from time to time but now we can really drill down. Mm. 
Yes, and you've been a big part of that, of course, <laughs> because um, um, you're my reasonableness barometer <laughs> anytime I come up with something new. Um, yes, so we'll start off with talking about how my policy used to be. Yeah, let's do that because um, you've been teaching for a very long time now, since you were, I don't know. 16. 16, wow. Even so before I knew you, almost. Just. No, I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> I had my first student when I was 16. I really pity those first students. I wasn't a very good teacher then. But certainly I had no, no thought of a policy. I remember that uh, my, uh, my, the parent would ring me up maybe five minutes before they were supposed to arrive and they would say, oh, actually, sorry, we're not coming today. And I would just say, oh, okay, and then hang up and then just sadly think that, oh, dear, there's, there's money that I can't earn now. Oh, dear, you know, there's my, that's my pocket money for the week gone or whatever it was at the age of 16. Um, so that's the very earliest form of studio policy. <laughs> there wasn't one. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, then the next, uh, the next step in the evolution was that uh, students would cancel at the last minute but I would then have to ask them for payment the next time I saw them because I would uh, sort of have this vague thing in place that, oh, no, you know, it, I need at least 24 hours notice. Um, but that's really awkward when you have to ask people to pay for two lessons uh, the next time they come. And they often just don't do it. And, and how did you even notify them that was part of your policy at that stage? I think that was all verbal. I didn't have anything in writing. Uh, so that didn't really work. That was no good. Um, when I did eventually put something in writing, it was also when I started billing by the term. So in 10-week blocks. This was much better because then at least I had all the money in advance and I wasn't having to ask them for it. Um, but then I was dealing with people asking for credits or makeup lessons. And this is where it all starts because if the student hasn't come to the lesson, the parent perceives that they've had no value. Well, I can imagine the parent thinks, well, if I'm going to have a haircut and then I don't have a haircut, I shouldn't have to pay. Yes. So, and they feel the same way about lessons. Why is that different? Yes. Well, at least with the hairdresser, when a client is not turning up to that spot, they can actually sell that spot to somebody else. Somebody else might walk in and request a haircut at the last minute. And with a busy salon, salon that's what will happen. But piano teachers don't have walk-ins. There's no one who just suddenly wants a piano lesson. There's no one who you can slot in. There's no such thing as casual piano tuition. So that time slot is reserved for that student and you can't do anything else with it. You cannot resell it. It is sold to that parent. And then if they don't avail themselves of that time, you are stuck with it. So it's it's learning how to deal how we can deal with this as piano teachers and feel okay about not giving makeup lessons and that is that's where i've come to i feel completely okay about it um but even going back to when i started billing by the term people still asked for credits or makeup lessons and i still felt obliged to do it and i did do it which meant that it cost me time we'll, we'll come to that the cost of the real cost of makeup lessons um then i evolved to um I didn't give any credits or makeup lessons unless they gave me 24 hours notice. But if they did, uh, I would credit it. If they said, oh, my child, we're going to Europe and we won't be here for the next four weeks, I credited them. I, I don't know why. Uh, and then um, I started having a very strict policy on one of my days of teaching. Saturday afternoon was prime time. And I said to my families, well, look, if you do want to come on a Saturday afternoon, that's okay. But... 
uh, there are no credits or makeup lessons. Even if, you, if you're going away, if you find that you have a weekender that you always want to go to, this is probably not going to work for you. I suggest not to take the Saturday spot because you have to pay for all the lessons. You're paying for a time slot essentially. I do remember. <laughs> must have been, must have been ten years ago, maybe a bit more. One of your families said to you, um, "We'd like two two lessons of credit for the last two lessons of term because we're going on holidays because it's cheaper to go on holidays during term times." Yes. They were essentially asking you to fund their holiday. Yes, that is right. And I remember when you first pointed that out to me. Oh, you are asking, they're asking you to subsidize their holiday. And I thought, oh, no, that's not right. But now I believe, yes, that is right. Um, it, if they choose to go on holiday and they're going to miss two lessons, they've got to factor that into their holiday budget. It's not the teacher who should pay by not being able to work then. Uh, and then because this strict Saturday policy seemed to work for me, I then just extended it to to every day but I remember when I first decided that I was going to do that and I said to you I've decided I'm just going to be really strict every day no makeup lessons no credits that's it I remember your reaction was well that's not entirely reasonable there must be some times where it is okay to say I can't come at a short notice and it's can we can we make it up do you have any policy any any times where that's the case Yes, I think that if there is a genuine family emergency, genuinely something that the student could not have ever foreseen, uh, and there is a real problem getting to the lesson, then it's up to me to show compassion. And of course, I will try to make up that time. But what that actually is, is investing in the future of keeping that student. So if if there's constantly non-attendance, and I think it's another thing we should talk about is not call it missed lessons, but call it non-attendance. Uh, if if the parent clearly isn't particularly committed, if the student's constantly not turning up and that is a liability for you, then um, you have to fix it by either saying, I'm not giving the makeup lessons or getting rid of that student. But if there was a really, really a great student that I did not want to lose who couldn't come one week for an unforeseen circumstance, um, then uh, I would I would definitely choose to make up that lesson. And I would also make a big deal of it and say, look, I wouldn't normally do this, but of course, come at such and such a time. You know, I don't want you to miss out on that lesson. You know, that must have been really hard for you or whatever. And of course, it's not the only way you invest in your students. You give scholarships, you... Uh you, you give them prizes, all kinds of things that as part of that process. So this is just another one of those investments you, you decided to make. Yes, that's right. So when you do choose to give a credit or a makeup lesson, it's because of the long-term implications of being able to retain that student. That is what you're investing in. But just constantly giving credits and makeup lessons to people who are going to birthday parties, going on holidays, um, suddenly have a school event come up, that is just a liability and that is making you either spend double the time or if you think of it you're getting half the pay for those lessons that's a really good way of looking at it it's it's really interesting and and if you don't have a policy then your parents or your families will take advantage of that and 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 you, you need to train them in a lot of ways right that's right. And I think that that is why I wanted to talk about this because I've spent the last five years practicing and finessing my policy. And particularly since COVID, I've become quite good at it. So um, when when a parent lets me know, oh, we can't come to, you know, we've got school camp next week. Um, well, I've got it written down in my policy. 
Uh, so, uh, but I just say, oh, that's no, it's no problem that Ella won't be here. I will source some repertoire for her and I will put some videos in Tonara that she can watch. And instantly the parent gets the idea that, oh, that, that lesson's going ahead. It's just that Ella won't be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, or another great thing to say is when they say, oh, next week, uh, could we possibly change the lesson time because, you know, we've got a family dinner or something. Uh, I usually say, well, look, you're welcome to try and swap with another student. But worst case scenario, just send through recordings in advance and I will use Ella's lesson time to review the recordings and send feedback. So that's another way of stating I'm going to be giving Ella this time that you have paid for and Ella won't be here, but that's okay. And uh, it won't be as fantastic a use of time as if Ella was here, but lessons that are non-attended lessons that are not attended can still have some value when the parent has paid for it. And I think that's the key to not giving makeup lessons. The parent has to perceive that they're not just forfeiting their money for no reason. Let's talk a bit about some of the things that you've done to provide that value because you've talked about Tanara uh, and some, some other things. Let, um, let's talk about some of the technology you use to make it possible to do a makeup lesson, sorry, to do a non-attendance lesson without the student there. Tell me about Tanara for a start. Well, Tanara is just a, uh, a, learning, um, a learning management system um, and there are plenty of them. There's my music staff, there's um, Cadenza, I think. There's, there's lots of different learning management systems and I, I adopted Tanara during COVID because then I could have a virtual notebook instead of a physical notebook when I, wasn't, when I was teaching online. Uh, but you don't even need that. I just ask students to send me recordings that they've made on their phone. I mean, really, the devices are a fantastic thing. And 30 years ago, we didn't have this when we were teaching. There was no easy way for students to just send us recordings. I don't ask them to send me videos. They're not massive files. They can send me audio. So I ask them to record all their pieces or even just to record, to record a section of practice and send it to me. And during their lesson, then I listen to those and I'm writing them feedback. And uh, I have to say, though, I ask for... For probably if I asked 10 students to send me recordings, if 10 students were going to miss lessons in one particular term, maybe two of them would actually get organized and send me the recordings. Now, that's on them if they don't do it. If they don't take advantage right. of the value that I've offered, right. oh well. But it's still great to be able to offer it because then there's this perceived value. What do you do when um, someone says, oh, uh, uh, Amy's sick today? Um, or, or she's got a bit of a sniffle. What? Yes. What's your, what's your procedure then? Yes. Well, this is very clearly laid out in my policy. So if there's any illness at all, then we have an online lesson. We just default to that. Now, it's very rare actually that a student is so ill they can't even do an online lesson. If uh, Rarely, the parent will get back to me and say, look, I'm really sorry. I don't even think they're up to an online lesson. I've put them to bed. They've gone to sleep. Um, and then that's when I say, no problem, I will source some repertoire, I'll put some ideas in, I'll record a little video, I'll put it all in. This is why uh, a system like Tonara is, is so great. But you could just email something to the parent just as easily. So uh, when the response from the parent, uh, when the response from me to the parent is, this is what I'm going to do with that time, um, they, I think they feel a lot better about it. But I also do say, if anyone else cancels at the last minute, I will let you know. 
uh, and you can come. Now, I have occasionally done this. I have rung a parent at 7.25 in the morning and said, um, Flossie, Flossie's just cancelled her 7.30 lesson. Can you get here? And the parent goes, uh, well, no, like we've just got out of bed or we're already on our way to school. And, and um, But I feel like, well, I've done the right thing. I've offered them a time slot, but they can't drop everything and come at the last minute. Anyone would think kids are overscheduled. Well, there you go. But <laughs> but when you think about the flip side of that, essentially that's what parents are asking you to do exactly when they right. aren't coming. When they call up and say, or, or even when they give you lots of notice, they're asking you to reorganize your timetable. If they're asking you for a makeup lesson, they're literally asking you to reschedule your life around them. And imagine if every student asked for a makeup lesson in one particular week, you, you just wouldn't be able to do it. And so if you can't do it for everyone, you shouldn't do it for anyone and you shouldn't feel unless there's really really um you know extenuating circumstances uh unusual circumstances one of the things i've heard you say is that this works really well for private teachers but maybe not so well for peripatetic teachers um so policies are something that that you can set for yourself for, as a private teacher What's the difference between that and being teaching, say, at a school as part of a, a, an organisation? Yes, I'm really glad you asked me that because I'm talking from an extremely privileged position of being my own boss and teaching in my own home studio. So I make the rules and everyone else has to just follow them. But if you are teaching in a school, then you're at the mercy of the policy of that school. And it's just not so easy to say that you won't give credits or makeup lessons because the school might insist on that. Some schools are really good about it and at least have the, um, have a really organised music department where they will let their teachers know if there is a school camp on or if there are excursions or some other reason why a child might not be able to attend a lesson. But it's a really hard situation and I don't actually teach in a school. I have done it once for a brief period of time. I wouldn't do it again. Uh, so this is something, everything I'm saying today is something that is not necessarily going to work for teachers who are working in an environment where it's not their own studio. So That's tricky. What would you suggest for a teacher who has listened to this and really did want to change their policy? What, what sort of things should they go through? Yes, that's a good question. It takes time to change a policy. Uh, I gave all my students three months notice when I decided that I would no longer give credits or makeup lessons. So I wrote um, a medium length email. I tried to make it not too long. And I explained that the nature of piano tuition is such that it is not casual, that when a student doesn't attend in the time slot that they've booked, that time cannot be given to anybody else and that from now on um, the term fee applies regardless and if you find that you cannot attend a lesson for any reason there are going to be these procedures in place like sending recordings or that I will you know give value some other way. Uh, I asked all the parents to contact me if they had any problem with it. Didn't hear from anybody except for one parent who did call me and she said Wait, so because we usually go on holidays again during term time, uh, we usually, you know, leave our school breaks up earlier than others. So are you saying we still have to pay for those lessons? And even at that point, I still felt awkward. It's very confronting 
when a parent says to you, you know, says that, and it's it's hard. So I said I was trying not to say outright and bluntly, yes, you still have to pay. I said, well, the thing is that I am still teaching during that time. The term is still going. So the lessons are still going ahead and I can't really put anybody else in for those weeks you're going to miss. And I finished it by saying, I completely understand if you would prefer to find a teacher who can be more flexible. And they didn't want to find another teacher. I was really banking on it. <laughs> I was banking on the fact that they didn't want to, but I was going to give them that option. And that's how I ended the email as well. And when I interview any prospective student, I say it from that point of view. Look, if you take a spot with me, here is policy. Here's what happens in the event of not attending a lesson. I completely understand if you prefer to have a teacher who's more flexible and who can simply accommodate any time changes that you need. And there actually aren't many teachers out there who can do that. And if they are, I don't think they're happy about it. That means they've got empty spots. Well, that's true. But also I see what I see on Facebook are teachers who are incredibly frustrated because they're constantly trying to accommodate all their students' wishes. But there are some teachers who do it and they are happy about it. So I guess my caveat here is, yes, this is all about how not to give makeup lessons. But if you do give makeup lessons and you're really happy to do it, well, that's fine. Don't change anything. Yeah, so it, it, give makeup lessons if that's your choice, but don't feel like you have to give makeup lessons just because parents ask you to. So let's go on to the asking thing because oh, we yes. went through this uh, at one stage. You would get, you, you, you would publish your policy, you had um, uh, uh, buy-in from your parents, you've had this one bit of feedback but no other, uh, and, and you know, you'd, you'd solved that. And then someone came to you and said, we'd like to have a makeup lesson or we'd like to get a credit for, for a particular time. And you were, you were a bit upset about it. Yes, I would be outraged. Haven't they read my policy? Don't they know? And I would get really upset that they would ask for a credit for some extended overseas trip when clearly I had said so many times that this was not possible. And then you said to me, well, you know, it's okay to ask. It's okay. You know, they're just asking. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. And then I gave a webinar last year about um, studio policy. And I talked about a particular scenario which made it a bit more relatable for us as adults. So I said, um, imagine that uh, you have a hobby and you've taken up knitting. As you do. As you do. And imagine that you have a knitting lesson every Tuesday at one o'clock. Uh, and you enjoy your knitting lessons and you regularly attend. And then all of a sudden a friend blows in from out of town and says, can you meet me on Tuesday for lunch at one o'clock? Now, um, there's two possible scenarios here. Um, in the first scenario, your knitting teacher is extremely flexible, does not mind if you cancel. So now I know I can just cancel my knitting lesson at the last minute and I won't have to pay. So I do. I cancel the knitting lesson and I go and have lunch with my friend. In the second scenario, the knitting teacher has a policy more like my piano teaching policy. No, you cannot cancel at the last minute. I know I'm going to have to pay for that lesson. So now what happens? Well, I could either say to the friend, I'm so sorry, I can't meet you for lunch because I, I can't cancel my knitting lesson. So that's the first option. Or I could decide to forfeit the knitting lesson and go, well, it's an expensive lunch. I know I have to pay for the lesson, but I really want to see my friend. Or I could just call the knitting teacher and maybe just say, look, 
I know, I know this is unusual, but my friend has just come in. Like maybe it will just happen to suit the knitting teacher that I can't come that day. You never know. Can't hurt to ask. And you were the one who made me realize I'm actually the can't hurt to ask sort of person. I think I would be option three. I don't think I would necessarily just forfeit without asking. And that made me, re- it made me get less angry when people ask. Um, so the trick is to gently but firmly reiterate the policy. Now, unfortunately, that's not possible. But you can do it very kindly. So when, when students say, when the parents say, is there any chance that we could get a credit for these two weeks we'll be away? I say, wow, that sounds like such an exciting trip. That's amazing. Unfortunately, there's no credits available, but I will make sure that we do blah, 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 blah for Herbie's lessons. And feel free to, we can always have an online lesson while you're in Italy. Yes, that's true. The time zones are tricky, but uh, <laughs> yes. Why not? We can, yes, that's right. From the, from the, from the top of, I don't know, the, the, the Leaning the Tower of Pisa or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Do you remember the first time you held firm with a, a student or a, t- a parent? Oh, yes, I do. I had this student named Lauren and um, I she couldn't come uh, to her lesson and I was I was happy to reschedule the lessons. It was, it was actually before I had instigated my policy of no makeups. Um, so she, she told me a week in advance that she couldn't come. And I said, well, I do have a spot on a Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. You can come then. And then her dad said, oh, no, she's got chess on, on Friday afternoons. And normally I would go, oh, really? Okay, well, how about – and I would then try to find other times. And the, this was the first time I went – when he said, uh, um, oh, she's got chess on Friday afternoons, I said, well, okay, well – it's I've got that that that's a possibility for you and I just held firm and then they went oh okay well I guess I guess we can miss chess then and then you realize the parent it's up to the parent what are they going to prioritize and yeah if they're not going to prioritize piano that should not be the piano teacher's problem well that's a great story because that's that that illustrates every piece of the thing that we've just been talking about that's I love it excellent are there any other things you'd like to talk about in terms of the policy that, uh, and, and the evolution of your policy? Well, I think that not calling them missed lessons is a really important thing in the policy. So there's a big heading in mine that says non-attendance. As soon as you call it a missed lesson, then the parent thinks they've missed something. But actually, they're not going to miss anything. They're still, it's their choice. They've prioritized something else. And again, I'm not talking about in cases of sudden family emergency. But if they've chosen to prioritize something or if there's a, a clash with another activity, then there's still, that lesson is still going to go ahead. So we call it non-attendance. And in, I think it makes a big difference in the psychology of how the parent thinks about it so we've got to get them on board that's great and, and so ha- when you talk about parental thinking um deli- how, do, how do parents think of lessons what are they what are they thinking about when they're thinking about lessons yes well i think in this world of overscheduled children uh perhaps the parent knows that the lesson is really the only really good dedicated time that child spends at a piano and uh, that somehow the, that lesson counts as practice time as well. And um, for, for parents who um, are really struggling to get their kids to a piano, to then miss the piano lesson, I think the parent knows, well, that's, that's now time they haven't spent. And they really, really want to reschedule that time because they don't want their child to miss that lesson. 
But what they do need to understand is that the teacher is not able to accommodate every student's whim of when they need to change. I like that, yeah. And if they don't attend, what are they actually missing out on? What are the things that they don't get by not attending? Yes, it's true. I mean, they don't get a great lesson, obviously. You know, they, they, don't, they don't get a great lesson. But they're not going to miss out on progress, really, because the progress happens during the practice time. And I know that for my really diligent students, missing a lesson here and there does not impact their progress. And they do send the recordings in advance and I do send them feedback and you can progress in that, in that instance. And so when they are really, really busy, they are, there, there are going to be clashes that come up. And it can even help to say this in, in advance, like at the beginning when I do take students on, I say there will be the inevitable clash with other activities and here is what's going to happen when that happens. But if they're really practicing well, it actually doesn't impact, impede their progress. They, they're not, you know, they're missing out on maybe introducing a new piece um, or me playing some duets with them or interaction that obviously you need parents um, you know, the teacher-student present for. But, but really, when they're missing the odd lesson, if they're really doing the practice at home, it's, it's not that much of an issue. Oh, that's great. So if you're going to sum up a couple of little things to, to finish up here um, about how you go about changing the policy and the things that you've learned over the last little while, how would you finish up? I would say that first, um, piano teachers should, or all music teachers, should decide what it is that they're comfortable with. If you are flexible and it works for you, then that's great. But if you're flexible and it's not working for you and you are uncomfortable and you want to change it, then the way to change it is to uh, give, give the students in your studio, give the parents a lot of notice, two to three months notice that this is going to happen, and then have the wording that supports it and hold firm because there will be pushback. Um, and then it's a matter of practicing, always practicing the response. I've gotten very good at implementing my studio policy because I've practiced it. And uh, But at first it is awkward. It is hard. You will feel pressured. Uh, but it is not unreasonable. I think that's the thing I want to say. It is not unreasonable to not give makeup lessons. There are plenty of ways that you can give value to that student when it's their choice to not attend the lesson. That's great. Samantha Coach, thanks so much for chatting with me. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, <laughs> I hope that uh, all of you listening out there as well. Back to you, Amy. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much to Samantha and Andrew for taking the time to be with us here today. Since we're talking policy writing, my tiny tip for you is to enlist a grammar check program into your professional life. We're not just talking spell check, but a program that actually analyzes your writing and makes suggestions for improvement. Grammarly is the tool I've been using for as long as I can remember, and I can't imagine going a day without it. I like to call it spell check on steroids. It's so easy to use and set up, you don't really even have to do anything. It just becomes part of your daily workflow. If you want to learn more, there's a link in the show notes to a blog post on the Piano Pantry website where I show you all kinds of details. I know you're all about to get really busy here in May, so I'll be back next week with our regular 8 to 12 minute programming. Be sure and hit that subscribe button so all the new episodes will download to your device automatically.